Hello and welcome to another episode of the Intelligent Transport Podcast. My guest today is Bernard Tabery, CEO International of Keolis, obviously one of the largest public transport operators anywhere in the world. Now as such, it's only natural that the organisation has run into a number of challenges in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we're delving into some of those challenges and discussing how some of the most prevalent trends in urban mobility have been affected by the pandemic. Bernard, thank you very much for joining me today. As always, it would be fantastic if you could give us a quick introduction to yourself and your role at Keolis. Good afternoon. My name is Bernard Tabry. I'm the CEO International at uh, Keolis. Keolis is a public transport operator that uh, operates in 16 countries around the world. And um, I'm in charge of the activities of Keolis outside France. And we operate in Europe, continental Europe and the UK, as well as in North America and Australia, as well as China, India, the Middle East, and um, soon in uh, Africa. And we operate a variety of uh, transport modes, uh, metros, uh, trains, buses, and bicycles, parkings, uh, anything that moves, really, uh, with a focus on to essential points. One is safety, of course, safety of transportation, and then passengers. Being passenger-centric is what dictates our line of business, and our, our clients are passengers, of course, on the networks, as well as public transport authorities who organize transport in their states or regions or cities. Uh, of course, yeah. Thank you very much indeed. So we're here today to kind of talk through Keolis's uh, reaction and approach to the COVID-19 pandemic and what our listeners won't know is that this interview has kind of been in the works for a couple of months now and obviously in that time things have changed quite considerably so what I originally wanted to ask then is kind of now coloured entirely by the situation that we find ourselves in so I originally wanted to ask you all about you know your kind of take on the shift to e-mobility over the last few years. But with the COVID-19 pandemic now in place, I also want to know, you know, how you think progress might slow down given our current circumstances or whether you see this as a potential opportunity for cities and authorities to renew or revise their kind of environmental goals. Well, our view there is that the circumstances will really trigger more thinking of populations in general and uh, uh, organizations, PTAs, etc., elected officials about uh, you know what's in us for the future in the future, or what's coming to us in the future. I.e., um, we have had to and are having to demonstrate a lot of agility in our response to the C-19 crisis and come to solutions uh, in organizations that uh, one thought were yesterday impossible. And we know for sure that uh, ahead of us is the uh, issue of global warming and, uh, and public health uh, that comes with it. And uh, societies have shown that they had to adjust fast to C-19. Uh, even though the threat is probably on the longer term, it is a very uh, dire one also, as recognized uh, uh, by all experts. In fact, I think that the International Agency, uh, Energy Agency has just uh, shown that in the last uh, two months, the um, global warming impact has, uh, has uh, 
or the reduction of uh, emissions has gone down by 8%, uh, and whereas 7.6% uh, is needed to uh, keep the situation as it is, i.e. level, and therefore the reduction of um, emissions in the last two months has been an indication of what we should have as reduction of emissions if we wanted to avoid the global warming, which talks at the moment about, you know, three Celsius, uh, three degrees Celsius of, uh, of global warming by the end of the century. Uh, so coming back to the point, I sense, if you like, or I feel that the uh, C-19 crisis will be an accelerator of the um, awareness to the need to um, anticipate this, well, to develop and deploy sustainable transport solutions. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Uh, how do you think that authorities should kind of approach that? Like you said, we've seen this reduction in emissions. And before this, cities and authorities would have been aiming for one goal. And now that we're seeing that reduction, do you think they're going to have to adapt to try and reach another goal entirely? Well, whether they can change the goal or at least realize that, yes, it is durable, but of course it's not sustainable as it is in the long run, uh, but the reduction of, uh, of car traffic uh, and, and, uh, and of industrial pollution in the last few months has had a major impact. Uh, through that period, public transport has continued to operate uh, and therefore not with the same uh, flows, of course, but uh, with services that were comparable with uh, what happened before uh, C-19. Um, so suddenly it sends a signal that uh, um, action may uh, generate results. Um, it is obvious that governments will have to deal first with the economic impact of the crisis and, um, and the, uh, the restart of uh, the economy in general. But I sense that uh, the uh, programs that were pushed already and for us we have uh, you know uh, hundreds of e-buses for example that have been deployed in 2020 and 21 in france in the netherlands in norway in sweden in denmark uh, in the us uh, with uh, investment programs that uh, are have a local impact create local jobs uh, do not uh, travel overseas, but are well um, deployed where they are manufactured, at least where they are operated. I sense that uh, governments will be sensitive to that and keen to uh, move forward. Yeah, of course. I think there are definitely encouraging signs. And as dire as some of the consequences have been from the pandemic, there are definitely you know positive sides and reasons to be encouraged as well and definite opportunities i mean in your point there you mentioned um the reduction of car traffic and you know at least comparable levels of public transport kind of brings me on to my next point which is around shared mobility such as public transport obviously you know what challenges does the pandemic present to the urban mobility sector in encouraging shared mobility kind of all over again do you think this situation we're in now could undo some of the work that has been done in the last couple of years? And how do transport operators like Keolis begin to rebuild public trust in shared solutions once this is over? Yeah, it's a good question, of course. The, the challenge of public transport having to sell, to sell itself as a choice and not as an obligation, not as a curse, 
is something that pre-existed C19, i.e. we could see that passengers had the choice between the multiple modes uh, and uh, the public transport mode was a very efficient one from a, an emission viewpoint as well as from uh, a reliability, uh, had a lot of uh, merits. But of course, the circumstances of C19 because of basically social distancing on, on the public transport has, uh, has uh, well, seen the flow of passengers uh, disappear. So we are going to have, not to restart, but I'd say to amplify the appetite or the trust towards public transport. And trust is probably the first uh, feature that we will have to work on. How do we get people to trust public transport? Our surveys at the moment show that uh, uh, as of now, i.e. in May 2020, people look at public transport just uh, one step above nightclubs as a safe place where to be. And our ambition is not, uh, well, we have a lot of respect for nightclubs, but people don't feel safe in nightclubs at the moment. And public transport is just one step above. Our challenge is to get that um, back up. And how do we do that? We do that by first ensuring that the environment is extremely clean and visibly clean, i.e. with, uh, uh, you know, well, daily cleaning with uh, vericide, with uh, bactericidal products of the, um, of the passenger sections, as well as the driver's cabs, uh, the holding bars, the handles, etc. Uh, disinfection during operation also and uh, downtime. Uh, that is uh, step one. And in that respect, um, I am seeing with pleasure the Victorian um, government approve a program of uh, 300 jobs back to work for people who've been uh, laid off that we are going to employ to clean up our 1,200 tram stops on the Melbourne network and who will be very visible to the public. And we have deployed also staff like this on the Gold Coast or in the Netherlands, where public, the public reacts very positively to the visibility of uh, cleaners that uh, during public transport hours are seen to perform a task which uh, everyone senses is uh, uh, indispensable. And therefore, they do get positive feedback from passengers. They do uh, and, and, and take credit from it and, and take pleasure in it. And, and they play a very uh, important role. That to me is a, a very important step in rebuilding uh, trust. Beyond that, uh, the encouragement of passengers to uh, use masks and uh, other protective measures, and of course, uh, be conscious of social distances. Some countries impose it, like uh, France, or some countries just suggest it, like uh, Germany. Uh, but, but that is a, a key step. And beyond that, of course, Digital innovations like uh, ticket dematerialization, which uh, uh, where one can offer incentives, uh, discounts to passengers to bring them back, um, as well as uh, working with uh, companies uh, that are a big and tomorrow probably uh, universities, which are big sources of or big traffic generators, and ensuring that their schedules are adjusted to uh, uh, minimize the hyper peak and ensure that. Uh, it is the flow is uh, spread over the full day. This coming with a lot of uh, information and drawing from the good experiences we have on various networks. The good news for us is that we have seen a gradual rise in patronage. Well, we operate in China for, for several weeks now. We've seen 
the patronage come back up to levels between 60 and 70 percent of what it was and Germany is probably between 35 and 40 percent so we see three to five points of uh, patronage increase per week at the moment i.e a trust coming back slowly and uh, we are comforted by surveys that show us that uh, passengers say look in three months from now I believe that I will be back in public transport provided of course I feel safe. Yeah absolutely I think the point you make about kind of public visibility of these steps for cleanliness and hygiene absolutely crucial but the other point that you made there that is really interesting is also the responsibility that passengers have um, not just to themselves but to their fellow passengers and to transport staff as well they have to be just as responsible as the operators and authorities when they're using these services to what extent do you think policymakers need to be clear and concise in encouraging like you said the use of masks and uh, having the public be hygienic when using these services well, we execute instructions and and execute regulations as decided by governments, and they rely on the medical uh, expertise that uh, we don't have. They set uh, the tune that we play to. We offer the experience that we have of a multitude of modes of transportation and a multitude of uh, of, uh, of networks around the world, uh, but we find that. Uh, uh, in circumstances where the picture is clearly put forward and the encouragement to common sense is clearly laid out, uh, people rise to the opportunity and to the challenge and they, uh, they behave in as, uh, uh, you know, as, as safely as, uh, as possible. So I'm, I'm uh, confident that governments have shown in the last few months in many countries their uh, role as a beacon of uh, a clear speech and uh, and perspective and uh, sure there may be here or there sort of few adjustments but overall uh, people look up to them and uh, so do we yeah absolutely it's it's really important in this time that you know not just the public but also corporations and other companies have that beacon to look to for advice and solidarity um I touched briefly there on on corporations and what I want to come to next is new mobility and shared mobility. Now, you mentioned right at the beginning, obviously, Keolis is involved in all kinds of operations, as you said, basically anything that moves. So what I want to know is when it comes to new mobility, how important is it going to be for public and private mobility companies to be able to work together towards a common goal after the pandemic? And how can a company like Keolis act as a figurehead in this way of thinking, especially, you know, given some of the partnerships and initiatives that you already have in place? Ah, um, well, another good question. And uh, the good news, if you like, of the, is that uh, public transport already is a system, i.e. Uh, when you operate uh, a metro or a train system or a tram, but even other modes, you do not operate on your own. You operate with a PTA, you operate with a manufacturer, with a civil constructor that builds, with a signaling provider, with, uh, uh, with a series of with facility managers to do, the, to, to do cleanups. So it is um, important that any, anyone understands that uh, they 
interact with uh, others. And on that, uh, our ability to continue, if you work, to be to, 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 to be agile with partners and work with partners on uh, uh, and coming up with transport means uh, that are different, uh, shared mobility, on-demand transport, cycling, walking, etc. integrate that into an intermodal offer. Uh, that ability to be good at ensuring that the hinges are oiled, i.e. that the relationship with the other partners in the offering are smooth and that what drives, if you like, the collective work is the main key issue of uh, customer satisfaction, i.e. being customer-centric and understanding what the customer wants. And the customer will one day want to be on a scooter and another day will want to walk and another day will want to use the tram or the metro and we've got to adjust to that uh, agility. And on that, we've got to make sure that we are conscious of the other modes, understand what the hinges are and uh, ensure that they are well-oiled. Yeah, of course. I think this is one of the fascinating things about urban transport networks at the moment is that there's just this... Uh, kind of deluge of of new kinds of services and technology enabled services that customers want to use maybe more regularly than they want to use public transport but it still has to be there to support those that need it and I think that does bring me quite neatly onto the next thing I want to ask as well how does COVID-19 affect the progress that's been made in new mobility to date obviously things have changed very very quickly in the last five years and we're seeing services that didn't exist become just amazingly popular um do you think it will continue like this or does the current situation with the pandemic present an opportunity for some mobility operators for example those in public transport to catch up and kind of break into this new mobility marketplace well for sure every one of the operators be they established ones or new ones it's challenged by the circumstances uh, dealing with the operational constraints but also dealing with the uh, 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 the adjustments of uh, you know patronage and uh, the financial challenges that come with the situation uh, so one can imagine that uh, there will be in the circumstances, some consolidations that will be uh, accelerated. Um, and I believe that it'll be, well, and, and, and we can detect, of course, some evolutions such as working from home, uh, probably having an impact on, uh, say, peak hours, as well as distribution of flows uh, over the weeks. Um, what remains, if you like, is that when you operate uh, a metro line that carries 500, thousand or a million passengers a day that sort of flow is not going to be uh, managed just by bicycles or e-scooters so you'll have these uh, still strong needs for trunks and even if uh, if there was more work from home there would still be a lot of people uh, commuting because their homes can't their, their works can't be uh, conducted from uh, uh, from home um, it is uh, it is that um, if you like that uh, impact of adjustment and speed of adjustment and awareness and again that awareness will be fed by uh, focusing on uh, what customers want and on analyzing data and there we have some uh, luckily with uh, for example gps data that can be uh, with respect of, of privacy uh, used to understand well the evolution of flows and these are models that we are starting to use already uh, ensure that we can adapt the offers 
to meet what uh, tomorrow's customer will really want. Uh, and that is an adjusted public transport against what it is today, uh, but for sure still with a strong need for mobility. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's really encouraging to hear is how much everything centers on passenger satisfaction and you know meeting their expectations and their requirements without that focus you know a lot of public transport operators have fallen short in the past and i think with so many new players on the scene they also have to keep that in mind as they kind of progress and continue to develop otherwise they risk falling short as well oh yes absolutely uh, so there's there's a you know truly we see this as a, a a positively lined challenge ahead of us, uh, that uh, restoration of trust, this adjustment to circumstances, this uh, working with other partners in the mobility chain towards a uh, fossil free fuel uh, mobility that uh, reinforces the attractiveness and the livability of uh, cities and the territories. Uh, it's a good program. And on that, if you like, C19 is only, to, only likely to accelerate the pace uh, with new ingredients. Absolutely. It's going to be a fascinating couple of months uh, to see what kind of what happens next and the kind of new services that might emerge. There are all kinds of discussions happening around, uh, you know, changes in business models and even new business models for organizations that have previously only delivered passenger facing services it will be just intriguing to see where we go from here i'm wary that i've taken up quite a lot of your time already so uh let's let's call an end to it there but thank you very much indeed for for joining me it's been been fantastic to to talk and catch up and yeah continue to keep safe and well thank you very much and you too thanks again to bernard for his time I think it's fascinating to hear about not just the challenges faced by urban transport networks at this time, but also the opportunities that the pandemic has somewhat unexpectedly presented. With careful and sensible decision making, along with the right funding, there's no reason that urban transport networks can't be fortified by the end of the pandemic. We'll be back with another episode in just a few short weeks, but before then, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast in the app of your choice and also become a member at intelligenttransport.com to ensure you don't miss out on the rest of our content. I'll see you next time.